The following sermon is brought to you by New Covenant Community Church, a Bible-based church located on Route 62 east of Johnstown, Ohio. To learn about New Covenant Community Church, visit www.new-covenant.org. Again, that is new-covenant.org. Now, enjoy the message. Turn your Bibles, if you would please, to Jeremiah chapter 17. I certainly hope that the sermon today would incline our hearts to be lovers of truth. That's, that's what I hope we leave here with more of than when we came in. Uh, next week, I'll be starting a series through the book of Philippians. But today, I'd like to preach a very simple message titled, Trust, Strength, Hope. If it's alright for me to do that, say amen. I was going to do it anyway, but I'm glad that you're on board. Uh, you know, this week I have heard numerous things about the sermon that I preached last week, and, and good things. We haven't, I haven't had any death threats yet, but we'll yet to be determined on that, I guess. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's been interesting that if you remember last week's sermon, I, I really honestly didn't really feel like I did much. I just... I feel like I just pointed out something that is so obvious in God's Word that we ought not to destroy the life that's precious to God and, and we ought not to support people that want to do that. I mean, it's a pretty simple thing in God's Word, but forgive my crude illustration, but it was like there was like a feeding frenzy of people loving the sermon and, and people loving this seemingly very simple truth that was just highlighted last week as we ought to highlight truth every week. And in our lives from the pulpit here. Um, and it kind of made me think like, man, how did, we, how did we get here? How did we get where a message like that is so embraced and so loved? How, how did we get where it was like, it was almost like a shock to the system of, man, I was getting emails and calls and text messages from people that I've never even met before. And like, how, how did we get there? And I understand the theological reasons. I understand what God's Word tells us. In 2 Thessalonians, which we studied when we, when we were in our series of the end times, it was in, I believe, 51 A.D., if my memory serves me correctly, that God used Paul the Apostle to write to the church at Thessalonica. And God spoke to this church and spoke to us about the mystery of lawlessness. We know what that is. It's the increasing lawlessness that we experience in our world that we'll continue to experience until this restrainer, which is the Holy Spirit, is moved. He steps aside. He allows Himself to be removed. He's holding back much evil that's in our world today. But when He's removed, the Antichrist and the tribulation and all these things will come to pass. That's the mystery of lawlessness that we're experiencing today. So I understand that. But what I want to understand and what I've been so prompted from last week is to understand is, is what is this mystery of lawlessness? How did we get to the point where pointing out a simple obvious truth from God's word is just like people just love it it's it's almost as if we're like starving animals for this type of truth that we just want to consume what what is this mystery of lawlessness look like with skin on what are the intricacies of how people in a land in America where there's bibles everywhere how we can be such in a starving state of truth how, how do we get there how does how does the American Baptist Church denomination, which this church was founded as, go from a previously very strong, biblical, conservative in theology and doctrine, Bible-believing congregation, denomination, 
to then willfully blurring the lines of abortion and homosexuality, which were the two reasons that we highlighted when we removed ourselves from that fellowship. How does that happen? That people in the American Baptist, they've got Bibles, like, like they've got God's Word right under their faces. How, how does that happen? How do pastors like Joel Osteen lose their way such that they don't even preach repentance anymore? They don't preach of a cross that the sinner must go to to ask forgiveness of a holy Savior. How does... How does are there churches in our towns all over the place in America anymore, it seems like? Like the United Church in Granville that they willfully say on their website, no one, no one, and I'm paraphrasing, but they'll they essentially say, No one will correct you if you believe different. No one will tell you believe whatever you want to believe, and, and no one will say anything to you about it. Believe whatever you want to believe. Like, how do they get there? They've got the same word of God that we've got underneath their noses. How how does that happen? And ultimately, church, as I feel it, my responsibility before God, how will this not happen to New Covenant Community Church? How will we not lose our way? Because I'm not measuring, the way I'm measuring success in this church is not that I have a happy time here and don't bicker with people and I retire. I mean, it'd be great to retire an old gray man with lots of wonderful young leadership underneath me to carry the church and and, and I die a happy old man. I mean, who wouldn't want those kinds of things? But that's not how I'm measuring success. I'm measuring success by are we a church, are, are we a culture and a people that are lovers of truth? Do we love what's right? I mean, do we not want our eyes to be foggy and dim regarding the truth, but we want to see it in clarity? That's, that's how I'm measuring success around here. I'd like to give you two examples that I believe explain some of these things that will then lead us into our solution that God's Word gives us. Uh, but before we do that, let's, let's just ask the Lord to help us in these things specifically. Father, I really, I really just want to lead with what You've given me, God. I, I don't want there to be confusion about what's right. I want there to be discernment such that we can see good and evil and know exactly which one is which. I don't want there to be muddied waters, muddied water and confusion regarding what we know is in your word. I don't want to lead a church astray, Lord, with your word, your perfect, holy inspired word right before us, God. It has happened before, it's happening now. It will happen in the future, God, and I'm just asking for your grace to cover us, God, such that we would be humble to the point where we run to your truth, the only truth that is truth, that we run to the plumb line, the measuring thing by which we measure good and evil, God. I pray that we would cling to your word in that kind of way. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Example number one. You can read about this example, and I encourage you to do so today later, in the book of 2 Kings. You stroll upon the year 640 B.C., before Christ. In this period of time, there's a king in the land known as Josiah. Uh, he's eight years old when he becomes king. He's not the youngest king. He's one of the younger kings, but he's not the youngest. He's eight years old when he becomes the king, and there had been six, 360 years since the time of Saul. King Saul, we know his story well prior to David, 
We know about that. It's been 360 years since his time. And in that period of time, there were many kings, some of which were bad, many of which were bad, and some of which were good. Uh, the king's scribe, jo- Josiah's scribe, was a man by the name of Shapheth. Shaphan, excuse me. And the high priest in the temple, his name was Hilkiah. And Josiah looks to this Shaphan character, the scribe, and he says, go to the priest Hilkiah. There are some repairs being done to the temple. Go tell Hilkiah to take some money out of the money box and to pay these laborers. So the scribe does that. He goes to the priest and he says, give to take the money. Here's the command of the king. Take this money. Give it to the workers, etc., etc. And then Hilkiah says to Shaphan that he has found the book of the law, the Old Testament, the portion of the Old Testament that they had at that point in time, that he found it. It doesn't tell us exactly where he found it, but knowing that he was going to the money box, it almost makes it sound as though the Old Testament, portion of the Old Testament that they had at that period of time, had been lost in this money box. And nobody had it. They had forgotten about God's Word. So he tells the scribe this. The scribe then goes back and tells the king. And we see throughout this account that there were some specific things that occurred in the land, that occurred in the culture, because God's Word had been lost in the way that it had been. Uh, In the temple where God was to be worshipped, there were articles of Baal worship. Baal being a false god. There were priests who knew not of God's Word and preached not the wisdom and counsel of our God, but rather they were preaching that we ought to worship the sun and the moon and the stars, and that's what the priests in those days were preaching. There were wooden images inside the temple, images of false gods that people would worship. There were what were called ritual booths, which were these places where women would weave together these small pieces of cloth that people would go and then hang on these wooden structures that people would worship. And most gruesome of all, there was worship of this false god named Molech, who was thought to be a fire god that was to be worshipped by people sacrificing their own offspring to this god with fire. So the scribe goes and reads this law reads the portion of the old testament that they had at that time reads it to the king who's josiah and josiah is undone because of what he's hearing he realizes the great difference between god's truth and the way that they were all living the way the state of the kingdom was at that time such that he tears his clothes he and he makes these reforms he goes and he gets rid of these wooden structures he goes and gets rid of this false worship of these false gods he he makes some amazing reforms in the land and he did it quickly he did it diligently but what's made clear from that example out of second kings is that is that even though they had a temple even though they had a priest and even though they had at least in part the part of god's word that was complete at that time they had the old testament law but they had no truth there was no peace there was no godliness in the kingdom that's example one Example two, you can read about not in 2 Kings, but in whatever news sources that you see today. It's the year 2020 AD, and it's been 231 years since our first president, George Washington. We've had many leaders, some were good, some were bad, 
And just as close as Hilkiah the priest was to the Word of God, so are we, so is America with Bibles rather than being hidden in the money box, they're hidden on our bookshelf or on our bedstand. And we have some similar things in our land today. Seemingly, amazingly interesting so how, how similar the issues are that we have today that were back then. Back then they have articles of Baal worship in the temple. Today we have false gods of social justice being preached from the pulpit. Rather than priests preaching that you ought to worship the sun and the moon and the stars, we have pastors who preach self-betterment and the prosperity gospel. Rather than wooden images in the temple, we have these fake worship experiences where from the time that people step onto the church grounds, it's this molding and shaping of people's emotions so they go away having had an emotional experience, but not a true encounter with the Son of God. Rather than having these ritual booths where little things are made of worship, the whole church sometimes has become that. And rather than a worship of Molech where people are sacrificed and worshipped of this God, we have rather than a worship of Molech, we have a worship of self, of self where babies are not slaughtered on an altar, but rather on the abortion table. And Josiah made some reforms that were good. They were pleasing before God. And, and if I had to liken Josiah to leaders that I think of in today's world, I think of, of John MacArthur leading and pastoring the way that he ought and the truth of God's Word. I think of Pastor Greg Locke, who many of you know of and see on social media, someone who's, who's willing to take a stand for what's right. But we know in our world today, and as it was back then, as it is today, that many will not make those reforms. Hilkiah was blinded to God's Word because it was in the money box. America is blinded today because it's on our bookshelf and it's not open. So we see that just as it was in 640 B.C., so it is in 2020 A.D. And it becomes clear to me that even though you have a church building, which we have, even though you have a pastor, which this church has, there is the potential for there to be no truth, no passion for God, no love for Him. And this, this question burns in my heart and has burned in my heart all week of how do we stop this from happening to New Covenant Community Church? Is there something, are there truths in God's Word that can, that can show us the right way to go so that, so that these things that apparently can happen to people that didn't think it would happen to them, to make sure that that doesn't happen to us? My goal is not just to have this cute little ministry here, but, but I, really, I really want, as it says in the book of Revelation, where Jesus walks and He sees these lampstands which represent these churches, I really want when the time of history winds down into its completion, I really want there to be a New Covenant Community Church lampstand before God. Amen? I want Him to be able to see this lampstand and, and for Jesus Himself to look at this lampstand and say, look at the way they love truth. Look at the way they don't even trust their own hearts. They, they, they pour over my word. Look at how they pour over the truth that I've given them because they don't even trust their own hearts. Look at how they love me that way. Look how they just they cling to me and they worship me. And I really want that to be so for our church. So if you're in Jeremiah 17, I invite you to look to verse 5. We'll give it a read through verses 5 through 8, and then we'll break it down piece by piece. It says, thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like a shrub in a desert, 
and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land which is not inhabited. Verse 7, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, and whose hope is in the Lord, for he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green, and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. If you believe this is God's word, say amen. Verse 5, we'll take it piece by piece. It says, Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. I believe that at the very most fundamental level, this explains the people of God in 640 B.C. That this explains the people of God in 2020 A.D. That in 640 B.C. when Josiah was the king and Hilkiah was the priest, there was a, and we know this to be true in God's Word, that there was a, a beginning to trust the ways of man. The ways in life of the other cultures around them. The religion that they carried. There was a trusting of those things. There was a, a seeing as those things as being alright. We know that this happened from the intermarrying that happened between the nation of Israel and the nations surrounding them, which God had commanded them not to do. We saw how that influence caused them to begin to trust in man. They went from a people crossing the Red Sea to a people worshiping false gods. They went from following the cloud of fire by night and the pillar of cloud, the fire by night and the cloud by day in the wilderness to, to listening to priests that were preaching that you should worship the sun and the moon. And this did not happen overnight. It was approximately 600 years of this happening to going from following God in the wilderness to this not even knowing where the Bible is, not even knowing what God's law is, that it's lost in some money box. And the result of this is a lost people and a broken, broken system. And so it is with the people of 2020 AD, when we are, which we are residing in right now. The mantra of our day is trust the experts. Now hear me on this and listen closely, church. I'm not talking about godly wisdom being exercised through people. We know that God exercises His will on earth many times through people. We know that. That's clear in Scripture. So I'm not talking about God expressing His wisdom through people. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about man's ways. About man's ideas. Man's systems. And we trust in that. We trust in these experts we trust people that have the letters phd before their name and that's a dangerous place to go because any one of us could find somebody with the letters phd before their name that would tell you that the bible teaches that homosexuality that its act is cherished by god you could find somebody that's a phd that would tell you that you could find an expert who would tell you that pornography is a good thing to have in a marital relationship an expert. You could find somebody that's a health expert that would tell you that it's okay to remove the fetus from the womb. They would tell you that. You, you, you can find an expert to tell you anything that you want to be told in today's world. You absolutely can find that. It was just in a kind of an amazing moment when, uh, you remember that picture I showed you last week of our baby Gabriel that we're excited to be able to meet at the beginning of February. And when we went for that ultrasound, which you guys saw the picture of, uh, Daisy and I were there too, and we're sitting in this room, and, 
and the ultrasound is being is going on and and there's this huge tv screen right in front of daisy and i and and at first the ultrasound technician was just taking all the measurements of gabriel they were just taking all the measurements of the bones and the structure and all those things and and she was taking those measurements in the 2d option it used to only be a 2d picture where you kind of saw like the the side profile of the baby and i'm trying to describe to daisy daisy look that's your that's your baby brother that's gabriel look and she wasn't able to make sense of this 2d picture but when all the measurements were being done taken done being taken i we asked the ultrasound technician can, can we see the 3d picture and the instant the absolute millisecond i mean daisy doesn't even know what she's seeing on the screen but the instant that that technician turned it to the 3d view which you saw daisy instantly goes baby so apparently the two-year-old has figured out what the PhD has refused to see, that has refused to only trust the wisdom of man. And I'm not even sure what PhD stands for. I still think it ought to be post-hole digger, but that's just me, you know. <laughs> the system, this process, church, it has produced a lost people. It's produced a broken system. And here's the result of all of this. Look to verse 6 of the Scripture we're already in. This is what happens when there's a trusting in the strength, wisdom, and philosophies, and ways of mankind. Verse 6, it says, For he shall be like a shrub in a desert, and shall not see when good comes. In other words, you can have God's Word in the money box, and you're not even going to know that it's there. You won't even see the good thing when it comes. Because you're like this dry shrub in this dry desert. You're not even going to notice when this water of life comes your way because you're so dry in this way. And as it is for people in 2020, moving on in that verse says, but shall inhabit the parched places of the wilderness and a salt land which is not inhabited. The culture of the people in 640 B.C. It was a parched place. There was no water of truth in the area. People were just running around, worshiping whatever they saw, whatever they thought was a good idea. They were trusting in man and making the flesh of man their strength. It was a parched place. And I'll tell you today, and you probably don't even need me to tell you today, that the atmosphere of 2020 in America today, it's a parched place out there. It's parched. It's a dry place. They, they won't even see when good comes. People are running around all over the place, not in church, because they haven't even seen the good that's in the Gospel. I can remember years ago, I was pretty young at the time, and, and it was a drought in the summertime. It was extraordinarily hot for like three or four weeks, right in the middle of summer. It reached in the 90s almost every single day. And, and I would go out there every single day with a garden hose to fill up the 100-gallon tank for the horses that were out there. And I remember looking at the ground. There was this particular day. It had been dry for so long. It was so dry and so hot out. No rain for all these weeks. And the ground where the horses had trampled over had become like a dust pile. And being the kid that I was, I wanted to see what happened when I sprayed this dust pile with this water. And I remember just kind of being amazed. I haven't even seen anything like it since, since that time. But... This water just like cascaded off the dust. It was like the dirt couldn't even absorb this water. It had been so long since there had been this moisture in the ground. It was like I just kept spraying it. It couldn't receive this water into the ground. And, and so it is, church, in the culture of 640 B.C. and of 2020 A.D. How, how do we not let this happen to New Covenant Community Church? Point number one that I encourage you to write down which is simply a paraphrase of the verses we've already read. Trusting 
and humanly wisdom leads to a heart departed from the Lord. Trusting and humanly wisdom. Remember, having discernment to know whether it's humanly wisdom or God's wisdom, but trusting in humanly wisdom and the ways and philosophies of sinful mankind. Trusting in those things, it leads, it will absolutely lead, it shall lead to a heart that's departed from the Lord. So church, I love you, and I certainly hope that you love me and trust me and my family, but, but just because I say something, don't, don't trust me because of that. That's why you need God's Word in His house to make sure that what I'm preaching is true. Listen, I am just, and this is something that I really don't like about being a pastor, is that I'm placed on this pedestal as thinking of like, there's holy Benjamin and all of his pastoral glory. Listen, I am just a man. And I am a man that is prone to wickedness. I, I, I mean, if not, if not infused by God's Word and humbled before Him, I, I am absolutely prone to trust in humanly wisdom that would lead this church completely astray. I'm absolutely capable of that. So, so don't ever put me up on this pedestal. Listen, I was outside on a tractor with a chainsaw all day yesterday, and my back hurts just like any of yours would, okay? I'm just a man. When we move this church from the American Baptist denomination to the Southern Baptist Convention, I told them, it's like, look, I think it's great that we can be a part of a fellowship where there's great ways to support missionaries and all those things. And, and, and there's a special place in my heart for the Southern Baptist Convention. I was launched out of a Southern Baptist Convention church. I mean, I feel like I could write the book about how to launch a young pastor from the men and women that loved me and my family that came out of that heritage. I'm a graduate. I have a master's degree from a Southern Baptist theological seminary. I mean, there's a special place in my heart for that. But listen, if they were to trust in the wisdom of man, if they were to trust in the ways and the philosophy of mankind, and that became true, if that happened on a Tuesday, we'd be voting on Sunday to remove ourselves from that. We absolutely cannot trust in the humanly wisdom, the ways, the philosophies of mankind. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 18, it says, Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of, listen to this church, for the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. Therefore, let no one boast in men. Don't boast in me. Don't boast that you come to a church where there's a young preacher who likes to shout sometimes and tells funny stories. Like, don't, don't boast in that. I could lead this church right off the rails should I trust in humankind. Should I trust in the ways and philosophy. Don't, don't trust in that we're in a growing community and have a nice look. Don't trust in those things. Don't trust that there's an age demographic in this church that many churches would love to have with senior folks and young folks and all people in between. Don't trust in those things. We, we, that's not our goal is to have some kind of system here. Our, our goal, our plan, our, our heart's desire, I pray, is to be a lampstand before Almighty God when the end of time does come. And to be completely honest, the Lord has convicted my heart of this this week is that even if I was not the pastor of this church, I want my family to be a part of that kind of church. I, I don't want there to be this system. I want there to be this longing to be a lampstand before Almighty God. And if you'd like to be a part of that kind of church, say amen. 
Look now to verse 7 in the verses we're already in of Jeremiah 17. It says, this is now the flip side of this. Verse 7, it says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, and whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green, and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. Church, I don't think it would at all be a misinterpretation or to change God's Word if we were to read it something like, Blessed is the church who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. For that church shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river. I don't believe at all that that would be wrong. The picture that God gives us is a tree that's next to this body of water. And let me just ask you, we all live in central Ohio, and if you've taken as many strolls through the woods as I have, you're going to know what I'm talking about. You walk through the woods next to a creek, and there's usually a sizable type of tree with this white-colored smooth bark that's usually always by creeks. What kind of tree am I talking about? Sycamore tree. You always find those next to creeks here in Ohio. And, and as it was, interestingly enough, as it was in those days, it was probably not a sycamore tree like we see it. It was probably a fig sycamore tree. It would have been the type of tree that Zacchaeus would have probably climbed up in to see the Lord. And something that's interesting about the fig sycamore tree and even the sycamore trees that we have here in Ohio, this verse says that it'll spread out its roots by the river. Sycamore trees, both types I've just mentioned, usually don't have very deep roots, maybe six or so feet. But they, they go an expansive out well beyond the drip line of the, tr of the tree. They're, they're, they go out, they spread out by the bank of water sources. So how are we to become like that? How are we to be recipients of this promise of this type of tree that, that has these widespread roots that are not easily blown over in a storm, that won't fear an intense summer drought because it's got this continual water supply that's running next to its roots? How, how do we become like that? How do we have these green leaves and produce this fruit when everything else is dry? And just in case you haven't caught on to the illustration, how, how do we as a church withstand opposition that will come specifically to Christians as it did with this coronavirus season. We, we overnight became dangerous people. We didn't even try to, but we became dangerous people overnight because we refused to stop meeting. We refused to stop singing to our Lord. How do we not fear in a spiritual drought when there's just wickedness championed in our world? How do we do that? How do we produce disciples and raise our children and grandchildren to know the Lord when this this society in which we're in. Point number two, and I encourage you to write this down as well. Seeking strength from and placing hope in our Lord compels the human heart to stand firm in the truth. If I could just pull Scripture out and say, Lord, how do, how do, we, how do we set ourselves up so that we're a lampstand and not just another statistic as a church? We st seek our strength from Him. We place our hope in Him. It will compel our human heart to stand firm in the truth. This is known in theology as a conditional covenant. An unconditional covenant would be one such that God says He's going to do something, and no matter what we do, that covenant will come to pass. Much like it is for Daisy. At her age now, we have a covenant. I mean, we haven't really haven't sat down and made a covenant, but it's understood that her at this age, that no matter what she does, we will feed her and care for her and clothe her. It's not a question of anything that she does. We will provide for her needs in that way. But someday it will become a conditional covenant. For her when she's an adult, 
and she is living at home if she were to not be married at that time. She, it, she can't just live however she wants. We will not support her destruction. We, we won't do that. She's going to have to live with some parameters in her life so that she does things that are good for her and not harmful for, to, for her. We love her. We don't want to enable her in that way. So it will go from an unconditional covenant to a conditional covenant. This principle in God's word of seeking our strength and placing our hope in the Lord this is a conditional covenant for us to be this type of tree for us to move forward in the truth seeking our strength from him placing our hope in him when we do that church then we'll be like that tree then we'll have that kind of strength and can I just tell you the longer I'm a pastor the more that is that is all I want I just I just want this to be right and this understanding of God's word this tells us something specific about God's people in 640 BC it tells us that their trust their strength and their hope were not in God it was not in God it tells us something of the people of the atmosphere of the temperature of the culture if you will of 2020 AD it tells us that people's trust is not in God it's obvious that their strength is not in God that their hope is not in God because if if they would have done these things they would have been like this tree and not like this arid dry in this shrub doesn't even know when the gospel comes because it doesn't even have ears to hear it this is the condition of Peace Community Church in Oberlin Ohio where they are pastored by a man named Erica who is so deceived by the devil that he thinks he's a woman that's a sad sad state of affairs that they've got the same Bible this morning that we do how, how did they get there how do we not get there and you say well pastor ben you shouldn't talk about other churches listen they're no more of a church than the people worshiping false gods and sacrificing their children on a fiery altar they're no different they're supporting abortion in the same kind of way they're not a church they're a, a deceived group of people who need the blood of jesus christ in their lives if you believe that say amen this brings to mind second timothy 3 verse 5 which it says having a form of godliness but denying its power listen to me church just because the building that you go to has a steeple on it, it doesn't mean anything as to whether it has truth in it. And that's my fear. When I, when I saw how I just I threw a piece of truth out last week and people just devoured it like hungry animals, it's like, I'm convicted that we're, maybe we're on that path, that maybe we're on the path of having a building with a steeple. I'm up here preaching with God's Word under my nose, but there's a, there's a danger, there's a real potential that we could actually not be lovers of truth, even with all of those things. So I'm humbled this morning. I'm humbled this week. I, want to, I, I don't want to trust in humanly wisdom that, that will absolutely, God's Word says, it not possibly, it will. It will lead your heart to be departed from God to trust in this humanly wisdom and it is so easy to trust in the theologies and the understandings of man but it is the formula to have a heart that is departed from God so church we must be strong together we must be really really low and humble before God such that when people say things like well pornography can be good in a marital relationship no we're not going there it's wrong we've got to stand we, we can't trust in that thinking and that philosophy of mankind when people say things like well the bible doesn't say anything about transgenderism perhaps that's not no we're not going there it's wrong it, it, listen people will say things even experts will say well how do we know that pedophilia isn't harmful to children no we're not going there it's wrong we must trust god we can't trust in these human philosophies it will lead to a heart that is departed from god when people say things 
people that even have been loved and respected among large Christian gatherings that, well, perhaps the Genesis account is compatible with the account of evolution. No! I'm not going there. It's wrong. I'm not trusting in that. There's nothing in God's Word that would make anyone ever, ever, ever come to that conclusion. I'm not going there. It'll lead to my heart to being departed from God. It will lead me to lead this church in such a way that in 50 years, this church could be in complete shambles because I have not been preaching the truth. I must be low before God. We must be humble before God this morning. I'm going to seek the truth. I'm going to seek strength from and place my hope in God such that my heart will be compelled to stand firm in this truth. We are not unable to be reached by something that we are... Today, we would sit here in our proper minds and, and think, well, you know, New Covenant Community Church will always be a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church. I don't know. I don't know because I see within my own heart the ability to have a heart departed from God. And I'm, I'm humbled by that. It brings tears to my eyes to know that that's a possibility that people, hundreds, thousands, millions of people have had the Word of God and have gone astray from it. Not that it was ripped from them and they couldn't get to it. It was lost in the money box. It's sometimes lost in people's pulpits today. They can't even preach what's actually there. And I'm susceptible to that. So I am very, very humbled this morning. And I need to commit myself anew to recognize that I, I am prone to these dangers. And you are too. If you don't think you're prone to these dangers, the devil's got you in the crosshairs and he's about to pull the trigger. Don't ever think that you could walk away that God gives us the formula of how your heart is departed from God. And it is to trust in man. It's to make man's philosophies and ideas your strength. Let us abandon those things. If you're with me, say amen. Uh, David, if you would come to begin to lead us in worship. We're going to take communion this morning together. Men, for those of you that have, are going to be helping us with that. If you would come, men, if you would start in the back and then come down to the front together. You can come on up this way, Bruce. Thank you, guys. Um, communion. Who is this for? It's for the believer. Men, you can come, please. It's for the believer. It's for someone who recognize, recognizes what they're doing. Don't take this communion if you don't understand the weight of what this is. I'll have a scripture reading that will explain clearly what this is. It's His body. It's His blood. It's, it's, it's remembering His body that should have been our body on the cross. It's His blood of the new covenant that He has made a way for us in freedom. Amen? So gentlemen, as you would begin to play, and I'm going to pray, and then we will dispense of these elements. Heavenly Father, humble us in this moment right now, I pray. God, should there be a lofty way in my heart? Should there be a way in any of our hearts or minds that trusts in the philosophies and thinking and strength of man? Let it be demolished this morning, I pray. God, let us see our great, great need for You. In Jesus' name, Amen. Gentlemen, if you would begin, please.